Well, good morning and welcome back from the coffee break. My name is Kurt. If we've not had the chance to meet, it is so great to have you with us here at the Vineyard. And if you're with us online, thanks for being there as well. I am finding this place and this community to be a community I love. So welcome. We're glad that you're a part of it. Today we kick off a new message series called The Creator and Creation. And I just want to give you a little backdrop to what our aim is as a preaching team this year. If you look at the scriptures and you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus regularly taught, demonstrated, and proclaimed the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is where we experience the rule and reign of God, the authority of God in all things so that we can experience the life-giving life of God. It was the primary teaching of Jesus' ministry, and we at the Vineyard find this to be a very central way to understand the scriptures. And so this year, we are going to preach through a series of series. There will be a collection of series sort of all looking at the kingdom of God, how that works in our life, how that changes our life, how that transforms our life. Because we believe God is up to wonderful things in the earth here and now. And this very first series of the year is this idea that we need to understand the creator God and how the creator God relates to his creation. Because we believe you were created for the good life. Now, how many of you have lived long enough on the earth to understand there is something other than the good life? Yeah. It's kind of like a common sense reality that even whether you have faith or not, whether you prioritize Jesus as Lord and Savior or not, there is something interesting in the human experience and the human heart that we draw this sort of boundary between what is life-giving and what is not? And sometimes I'm the delineating line. What's good for me and what's not? None of you can relate to that kind of approach, I'm sure. But what we actually believe is there's this important way of understanding who God is and relating to God that we believe transforms how we live our day-to-day -day life. And so we today are going to operate in this first talk in the beginning God. Now, just again, trying to, a little participation. This is not a real test. You do not get a grade. You already all get five gold stars. If the world as you know it, if creation as you understand it to be, was in existence before you were in existence, raise your hand. All right, so here's good news for everybody today. This text does not read, in the beginning, Kurt. I was not there. I was not there in the beginning. So here's what I want you to understand. As we talk about the text today, as we look at this, every single one of us operates in an understanding and a reality of faith for how this whole thing got started. Again, were you there at the beginning? No. So anything about the beginning requires what? Faith. Some of you are thinking it requires science. I'm okay with that. Faith in science. Faith in the people who tell the story. Faith in. We are all putting our faith in something. So if you are here today exploring faith, I am so glad. 
If you are considering how Jesus might be at work in the earth and in your life, come journey with us. That is the journey we are on because I think the scriptures and the community of Jesus followers and the Holy Spirit invite us to this journey of transformation, and that is the hope for this series and this year. So let's journey together. Sound okay? Great. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So we're going to be in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, one, the first chapter of the Bible, verse one, the first verse of the Bible. And what I want you to know is as we read this scripture, we are anchoring in this key thought that the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, and that is good news. That means God has authority, has the ability to veto and to trump my thoughts because I am living underneath the rule and reign of God and the way he sees things, the way he articulates truth, the way God lives this out. And that ultimately is about relationship, that I'm living in relationship to God, which means I let God have rule and reign over me. And not some of me, all of me. That's how I then live into this kingdom of God story. And what we need to know is this, that we need to know God. This idea of understanding is not an intellectual journey. It is not just a series of facts. It is a way of knowing the person of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is about walking in life and in relationship. This idea of knowing God is that we would know God in the way we know a friend and a, have a relationship. We would learn to hear the voice, the character, the thoughtfulness of how they think about and see the whole world, that we would know God, and that we would let God know us. We would bring our hopes and our fears and our, our dreams and our best abilities and our greatest insecurities into the presence of God. And I'll just kind of tip my whole hand, right? I'm just laying out all the cards on this next slide. We need to know God. And then as people of God have a worldview that aligns with the hope and redemption of God's kingdom. So just from like a pastoral heart, if you have been despairing about the condition of the world, if you have been struggling with discouragement and disappointment, if you have been concerned maybe about your life personally, but maybe not about your life, maybe you're like, my life is good, it is all those other people. If you watch any media and you're, you're sort of just feeling the overwhelming sense of like bad news, let me tell you the scripture and the trajectory of God's kingdom is one of hope and redemption and we need to see the world the way God sees the world. We need a worldview. We need to know who God is, the character of God, and we need a worldview that aligns with the hope that is set in God's heart. Because God's heart is love. God's heart is redemption. God's heart is restoration. God's heart and trajectory of his kingdom, where he has rule and reign, is behold, I am making all things 
new. So in the beginning, in the beginning, let's just read it together. It is not long. The first verse is rather succinct. Would you read it with me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's what I want to frame this thought around creation. The entire story of Scripture begins with a story of who? Who? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. We can know and understand God was first. God is the source of life. God is the power and presence and authority for all of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I will understand, I've, again, I've lived long enough to know that sometimes we can get hung up in these conversations around how. How? How did creation work? And what about this? And what about that? And I just have resolved myself to go, I was not there. If I'm honest, I don't know exactly how, but I do believe who. And I believe it was God. I believe God was there. God is the giver of life. God is the one who in the beginning, and I think it's essential we settle in our own soul who was at the beginning. On your faith journey, you will have to discern and determine foundationally who is the source of life. And if it's not who, it will be what? And it will be a created thing. It will be anchoring your life to a source of life that was not there from the beginning. In the beginning, God. And that requires now, what's interesting here is that here at the vineyard, and I believe in the scriptures and where we kind of relate to all this, this is foundational for us, that God is creator, that God is creator. And that requires humility. It does require me to humble myself. I can have big faith, I can have bold faith, but I'm ultimately humbling myself to the creator. I am the creation. I am not the creator. So again, this faith journey that we're on meets us from the get-go in a posture of humility. And we need to grow that humility because I, again, good news to all of you, am not the creator. I am a creation made in the image of the creator. And in an effort to try to help us understand Genesis 1 without reading it all to you, I'm going to use uh, our friends who have resourced the church greatly at the Bible Project. And I have taken what was an eight-minute video and clipped it to a shorter version to give you a summary. So here, from the Bible Project, the summary of Genesis 1. The first book in the Bible is called Genesis. And we're going to look closely at the first page of the book of Genesis. It's a carefully crafted narrative about God creating and ordering the whole cosmos. Okay, let's check it out. Now, the opening line of the whole Bible is, In the beginning, God created the skies and the land. Now, your Bible translation might say the heavens and the earth, 
In biblical Hebrew, the word for heaven refers simply to the sky above, and the word for earth does not mean globe, but rather the land. The ground below us. Right. This line is summarizing what's going to happen in the following narrative, which starts in the next line. And it reads, Now the land was wild and waste. This phrase rhymes in Hebrew. The land was tohu vavohu, which means unordered and uninhabited. This is the ancient way of talking about the pre-creation state, what we might call nothingness. For the biblical authors, non-existence means having no purpose and no order. And the next line uses another image to say the same thing. And darkness was on the face of the deep abyss. What's the deep abyss? Yeah, it's a dark, chaotic ocean. It's another common way the ancients described the non-reality that preceded creation. Now, here's where things start to get interesting, because in the midst of those dark waters, God is present. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew word for God's Spirit is ruach, which can refer to wind or breath or God's invisible presence. So you can't see it, but God is present in the darkness, ready to bring order so that life could flourish. Yes, and this ordering happens in a series of six days. Each day begins with the phrase, and God said, and then ends with the phrase, and there was evening and morning. Yeah. Now, over and over, God says what he created was good. But then, after making humans, God says that it is very good. Yes, humanity is the climax of days one through six, and their importance is explained in the first poem in the Bible. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So humans come up from the ground like the other land creatures, but they're also more. They're God's image, which means that together, men and women embody and represent the creator within his creation. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, ruling over the creatures. This is the purpose of being God's image, to oversee creation as God's partners and representatives in the world. Very cool. The first page in the Bible is doing way more than just telling us how the world was made. Right. Genesis 1 has been designed to show us that God's purpose is to share creation with his images so they can rest and rule it with him forever. And that purpose is what the rest of the biblical drama is all about. If you would like to have access to the whole video, you can just scan this QR code or you can go to Bible Project and see the full video unedited by me for my own purposes this morning. (laughs) But there's this phrase in there that I think is so important, and they just said, so life can flourish. See, the heart and intent of God is goodness and flourishing. And when we understand that we are made in the image of God, we are not God, and we become participants and join the story of God in humility, we then begin to participate in this kingdom of God reality so that life can flourish. And this is the trajectory that we see throughout the scriptures, and we see it from Genesis, and we're going to see it all the way through to the end of the story. So life can flourish. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to point out three attributes and qualities of God that I think are essential in God being God beyond who I am. And in the beginning, God, and what we see is this, God 
is eternal. In the beginning, God, and as you read the scriptures and you see the story, the end for all of eternity is worshiping God. If God was there in the beginning, and God has been with people all throughout time, and God enters the story in the flesh in Jesus, and God pours out his spirit on the church, and he says, I will come again as the resurrected king, and I will make all things right, and then we will spend eternity worshiping God. What we believe is God is eternal. And that is the only power, the only source that can hold it all together. God is eternal. And what we see if we keep moving through all the Old Testament and into the New Testament, which I won't work through today, the story that the people of God tell is you are a God who is faithful from generation to generation to generation to generation. And the fact that we are here today is a testimony and a witness to that faithfulness. God is eternal. So when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, we are stepping into this eternal story of God, that we want the rule of God, the will of God, the way of God to have access and authority here and now. Just as we see in creation, that God would be creating an expanding reality of his kingdom in our lives and recreating and making new that we would bear the image of God. He is at the beginning. He is alive and present today. And he is the end game. The end of the story is to worship King Jesus for eternity. God is eternal. And I was trying to think about how does that apply to our life today? What sort of application might we draw? Because we want good application, right? Well, the first thing I would say is this anchors you in a source that is bigger than yourself. That's good news. That is good news. When you are considering a problem or a struggle or something you are facing in your life today and you go outside and you look at how vast and how big the universe is, the God that was there in the beginning who's holding it all together is available for you today. Eternal God. God is eternal. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. So God is creator. God has life within himself that can then breathe life into anything and everything. God is eternal and God is creator. And this is an invitation to us recognizing our story can be linked up with this creator God because we were created for the good life. And it's not one we have to create ourselves, but we can begin to welcome the power and presence of the living God into our daily life, into our daily story, and say, create in me, O God, the flourishing life. Create through me in the places that I am. Let me join this story of creation and join the God who is eternal, who is at work making all things new. What it does is it allows me to take a deep breath. And in our faith, we begin to say, God, you are the source of life. It humbles me. God, you are the source of life. As one of the scriptures says, it's in you that we move and we live and we have our very being. You, God, are the creator. And I need you to create life in me and through me today.
It actually creates dependence, which we all love. It creates a sense of dependence. Because that was actually the, the invitation, the story, and you'll see as we move through Genesis that in the beginning God created, and then he wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. He wanted to share life with Adam and Eve. He wanted to enjoy the movement of life so that life could flourish in relationship with God as their source, that we would know God is the giver of life, not our will. God is the giver of life, not knowledge. It was only this last week that I was... Uh, Scrolling through social media, I do that from time to time. It is yet to transform me. But there was this really thoughtful meme from a college teammate, and, and it was back to this idea that, like, do you remember the time when we just thought if we had enough information, all the problems in the world would be solved? The internet has disproved that yet again. It is not information that we need. It is a relationship with the giver of life that would transform us that we would become the kind of people where life flourishes. If we're going to become the kind of people where life flourishes, we can discover relationship with the creator whose intent in creation is that all things would flourish. And we know that because even if we jump through to the end, the scriptures say, behold, I am making all things new. And everything in the middle is a God working to redeem and restore and renew and create and recreate. God is eternal, God is creator, and God is good. When we begin to build a worldview that goodness happens outside of God, we have disconnected from the source and the giver of all good things. In an interesting moment, Jesus, who I admire, I aspire, I want Jesus to be Lord of my whole life, Jesus is encountered in the scriptures and they say, teacher, you are good. And he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Jesus himself, who was fully man and fully God, who's part of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will talk more about next week. That's my invitation. Come back next week. We will talk about the Trinity and its complexity. And yet its beauty that we already saw in the video, that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Jesus said, only God is good. Why do you call me good? But we have built these patterns of life where we look to find goodness outside of God. We look to go build our own sense of goodness detached from the creator who is the source of all things good. And in creation, we see God say, that is good, that is good, that is good, that is good. And you being made in the image of God is very good. The way we see humanity is through a good God. And the way I can look at each of you and go, you are made in the image of God. Because that's what God says. And that's how God creates. And an eternal, creating, good God said, you have been made in my image. That was his choice. That was his work. That was his creativity and generosity to say you should be part of the story. God is good. And there's this beautiful refrain in certain church traditions, and maybe this will be new for you, but God is good all the time, 
And all the time, God is good. The only way we can have a God who is good all the time is an eternal God who is consistent and faithful in his character. An eternal God can be good all the time. God is eternal. God is the creator and the source of life. And God is good. His eternal goodness is intended to be the source of the good life that we long for. And what's interesting is you might be experiencing life, you go, listen, life is miserable right now. Like it took every ounce inside of me to just get me out of bed this morning. You go, I can't even think about the good life. I just want the non-overwhelmed life. I just want the, like, non-despairing life. I just want this, like, darkness and this weight of all the things to be lifted for, like, just a minute. And this is why we need to know God is creator, God is eternal, and God is good, because that is actually God's heart for you, that the weight and the depression and the despair and the chaos of life would be lifted off of you. And that you would flourish as you draw life from God. That you would flourish as you step into the God story that God wants to co-author with you and co-create with you, not buy into the lie that you have to figure it out by your own strength. That you can actually yield your life and you can pick up humility and say, God, if that is true, if you were there in the beginning, and if you spoke and the galaxies exploded in the sky, if you had in your creativity not only Mount Everest, but Kilimanjaro, or Pike's Peak, maybe you can do something in this. If you figured out how to distinguish the hue of blue that the Caribbean waters get off the Gulf Coast, Why didn't you bring it a little bit closer to Galveston for me? <laughs> but then that's my pride telling God what to do. And I get to just be in the mystery of it all. And maybe the greatest mystery is the creator God who is above it all says, I want to know you. And I want to be knowable. This is the beauty of creation, that his eternal goodness is the source of the good life we are all aspiring for, we're reaching for, we're looking for. And it has to be an eternal God that is creative and good, because if it's your job, your job will not give you life in the afterlife. Nobody wants to work in the afterlife anyway. Ah, but when our work has purpose in God's kingdom, it becomes something very different because we've been called to be part of this story where we steward and we welcome the kingdom of God here and now. So our work does not have to become an oppression in our life because the source of life is giving us life when we step into our work, when we step into our relationships, when we step into our dreams. And we have to, in humility, hold all of that before God. And here's why. Here's why. Let me, try to, let me try to make it practical. 
If God is eternal and God is creative and God is good, that means today, today God is alive. Today God can be present to you and God can be at work in your life creating with you, leading you and guiding you in the ways of his kingdom, in the way of his truth, in the way of his wisdom. And so if God is eternal, that means God handles timelines. That means God is present. So that's actually good news. An eternal God steps into time and is present for you today. So if you have been feeling distant from God, take heart. The creation story says God is present for you today. God can be present for you today. And if you're anything like me, one of the greatest struggles is God does not work on my timeline. I want things to happen usually quicker I usually want vacation and rest to slow down, but that's a different story, nap time. I want it to slow down for me and everybody around me. Everybody just take longer naps. We struggle with God's timeliness, but God is eternal. He is above time, which means any timelines we have, we have to humbly yield and bring them to God. God, I don't understand this. This is confusing to me. This did not go according to my plan. Where are you? What's funny is, if you read the creation story, God has an interaction where Adam and Eve are hiding, and he asks them, where are you? I'm regularly asking God the same question. But God is eternal, and God is present, and so he's there. He wants to be with us in this time and in this moment, and he wants to care for you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which means God has resource. He can provide for us. He can provide for our hearts and our minds. And he steps into a story. To be really clear, not everything that's happening right now is God. Not everything that's happening in the earth is aligned with God's kingdom. Because as you keep reading in Genesis, you can step outside and disobey God. You can go a different way. But God is eternal, which means he steps in time. He's present for us. He can be present for you today. He has resources. He can speak. He can speak to you in prayer. He can speak to you in the scriptures. He can speak to you through friends because he's relational. And the other thing that's interesting is that God is good, which means there are boundaries. In creation, he set boundaries. In creation, he separates things and he puts things and he says this and he says that and he says these things are these things and those things are those things. And the humans step outside of the boundaries. For life to flourish when we anchor to the eternal God, who is the creative God and the good God, we are best to flourish when we live within the boundaries of God. Because there is something that is good, and there is something that is not. And this message is not to like work on all the boundaries. The point is... A good God shows restraint. And on the seventh day, God rested. The creator rested. The creator said, that's enough. The creator God has a boundary within himself that is full of love and also says, you are made in my image. Do you want to be conformed and transformed to my likeness? You were made in my image. Do you want to be transformed? And all of that hinges on trust. Trust is the key. In this story of the creator and creation, for you and me today, it is about trust. 
And oddly enough, it was the same in Genesis. Will we trust God? Will we trust his word? Will we trust the boundaries? Will we trust that he is the creator and I am not? Will we trust that God wants to walk in relationship? Will we trust his invitation to say, hey, this way? Trust is the key. Knowing God as the creator invites us to receive the good life we were created for. Because it will either be God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, revealed in Jesus, in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, or it will be you, or it will be something else you ascribe to. So where do you want to put your trust? Where are you putting your trust? Knowing God as the creator invites us to receive the good life that we were created for. I want to close with this because I, I just think there really is an invitation for us today. And the thing about this faith journey is the most important step is the next step. When you stop stepping towards God and you've decided that's enough, the challenge in that is that if God is who God says he is revealed in Scripture, God is still bigger and beyond you, and you have not yet reached the fullness of God. At that point, you have decided to say, my journey is over. You have asserted your will and your control. So I'd be curious for everyone in the room, again, not knowing where everyone is, what would be a next step for you? And this whole idea of the creator and creation is about knowing, not intellectual facts. It is about relational journey and knowing, walking with God and walking with each other, walking as a people with a God who loves to pour out his presence on people. There's a really helpful book on kingdom theology. If you're a reader of theology, this is a book I have reread recently and has been so good to me, George Ladd's book, The Gospel of the Kingdom, Scriptural Studies in the Kingdom of God. It's accessible, it's helpful, it's thoughtful, and it is an influential book in Vineyard USA, the community of churches we're a part of, and the Vineyard Church here in Pearland. So we started in the beginning, God, right? And it turns out people all over the globe are thinking about, in the end, what is eternal life? What happens after we die? And this is what Ladd writes in his book, starting on page 71. What is this eternal life? God, the creator, and the giver of life that is good is eternal. What is this eternal life? Of what does this blessing consist? First, eternal life means the knowledge of God. And this is eternal life that they know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, verse 3. The biblical idea of knowledge is not simply the apprehension of facts by the mind. That is a Greek idea Knowledge in the Bible is far, more is far more than intellectual apprehensions. Knowledge means experience. Knowledge means personal relationship. Knowledge means fellowship. I know my friend John. That does not mean that I have read a sketch about him in who's who and can recite some facts as to his place of birth, his age, his wife, children, profession, etc. I could recite all these facts and yet not know him. I could know much about him and still not know the man. To know a person means that I have entered into fellowship with him, that I have relationship with him, and we have shared each other in the mutuality of friendship. 
This is life eternal, not that you may be able to recite a creed or quote some Bible verses or recite some facts about God. That is not knowledge of God. This is eternal life, that they know thee, the only true God. Fellowship with God, friendship with God, personal relationship to God. This is eternal life. This is the invitation from the creator to the created one. So my question to you this morning as we launch into a new calendar year, does your heart desire more? More life, more hope, more goodness. Maybe you're here going, my heart desires more experience with God. I've heard it talked about, but if I'm honest, my experience has been pretty little. I've been disappointed by God. I feel like God's been absent. But I'm here, and maybe I'm trying again. In the heart of hearts, in the soul of your spirit, in your own story, the question is, do you desire more from life? And I think the best invitation I can give you, the only thing I have to offer is that life is found in relationship with the creator. The creator in the beginning. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to walk with you so that you can be known by them and they can know you and you know them and you share your life. Do you want more? And if so, it is a next step. And it is a humility to say, that's actually what I want. It is humbling yourself in the presence of the creator and saying, I need more. I need what you have. If you can create it all, I need you, eternal God. I need you, creative God. I need you, good for someone in the room today or for someone, that might be the beginning of a relationship of faith. And again, what we say is when you start your faith journey with God, it is not that you know an all. You know enough about yourself and about the possibility of God that you will begin to trust and express faith. And then you say, let your kingdom come. You begin to give God authority in your life. In my journey of following God, I'm at a place again today where I'm saying, God, you need to have more authority. You need to have more authority in my thought life. You need to have more authority in my prayer life. You need to have more authority in the way I see the world. I want to see the world through your eyes. I want to see the world the way you see it. So God, as we have come together today as a community, as we have declared faith through singing together, we have worshiped you in song as we have opened the scriptures. What we know, it is the same reality, the spirit hovering over the waters, bringing order. We need your spirit poured out today. We need your spirit to be at work. And so we just say, come Holy Spirit, would you speak to each person in the room and maybe give a personal invitation Highlight a specific way you want to show up in their life. Move and give life the same 
good, eternal, creative God, come and do that work today. We need you, God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite everybody to stand together. As you're standing, if you're part of our prayer ministry team, if you are a small group leader, small groups are getting started, I would invite everybody to consider if you can orient your schedules to get to a small group. I want as many of our prayer ministry team, ministry leaders, staff to come down and be available to pray. Because here's the thing. If you want more, that's the prayer I'm going to pray over you today before you leave. But I would invite you to come stand with somebody else and say, hey, here's where I'm at. In humility, I need more and I want God to meet me. We believe God does impactful things through prayer ministry. My life has been radically changed because of letting people pray for me. It's a way I've experienced and known God, not intellectually, but like in an undeniable way in my own life. If you have not established the creator God, as a primary relationship for your life, today you can do that. You can just say, God, I have, I have operated as though I'm the creator, and today I lay that down, and I choose to follow you. I want to walk with you in relationship, and this is my first expression of trust. I begin to trust you with my faith story. Maybe you're here today, and, and that whole idea of des despair and discouragement and, and the weight of oppression is very high in your life. You do not have hope. It is hard to see the world through a lens of hope. I would invite you to come get prayer and let the good God begin the creative work that you need in your life because his heart is that you would flourish. And we, we preached on this last week, but if you're just tired and worn out, I think God wants to give rest. He just wants to care for you. He's not demanding anything from, from you, but he just says, let me care for you. So if today, as we've read the scriptures, as we've worshiped, if you've experienced that desire in you for more, just receive this blessing. You can kind of open your hands like it's a gift. You can stand there with your hands in your pockets. You can just say, God, come. But God, we know that you, eternal creator God, are the God we need to do a new work here and now. Let the flourishing of your kingdom come and fill us. If there is a desire in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our relationships, in our life for more, we look to you, giver of all good things, creator of the heavens and the earth, and we say, pour out your life. Be present, provide resources, and show us the boundaries in our life that allow us to flourish. We bless your community. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.